Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Timbele. Um, despite what is happening around us, I'm delighted to share the space and time with you as we continue to share insights and observations from our esteemed guests. In today's conversation, I'm joined by Dr. Sifiso Falala and Johan Costa, who is Executive at Marketing and Research Foundation. We'll be talking about Marketing All Products Survey Maps, which is a funded subscription model of research. As we all know that evidence is required for any effective decision-making. So stay tuned for this particular conversation, which is going to be very fascinating. Before I engage my esteemed guests, I want to quickly reflect on the exodus of a state-owned enterprise, executives at state-owned enterprises. Last week, we heard of the resignation of Transnet Group Executive, Hoshia Debbie, as well as the CFO, Nungkulele Gujaminian. They they resigned from the position what stayed on freight and logistics company. And meanwhile, we also heard that Transnet Freight Rail uh, CEO and very seasoned executive Caesar Zimena also resigned. As if that was not enough. Yesterday, we picked up from the media that um, Paul Maguana, the chairperson of Excom, has also called it a quit. Obviously, none of us are in preview with the circumstances of each of these CEOs. However, I have a bone of contention. My supposition starts with leadership stability, which is a cornerstone of any turnaround strategy, let alone sustainability. And this begs the question, how on earth are we expected to turn around ailing state-owned institutions when the turnover is so high? And it's practically impossible. From where I'm sitting. And I suppose the bigger question is, what accounts for these lapses? In my view, these CEOs that are resigning are substantive executive, hence they were appointed in those particular positions in the very first place. And the other question is, what do we make of the boards who oversee this very complex state on institutions? And I would not be surprised if we see other board members resigning. And this has been a trend in the South African setup. If you see your oh, uh, resigned, we've seen it as SABC, we've seen it at ESCOM, we've seen it in a number of SOEs where if the CEO is resigned, board members also follow suit because ultimately the boards are accountable for the mischief that happens, if there are any mischiefs or lack of performance or productivity, if you like. The common denominator for me in all these SOEs is the role played by the minister. The mischief for me is that when it comes to recruitment and selections, board of executives in all these estate and entities, the board members make recommendation to the minister. And the problem with the South African politics is that there's just so much interference in the appointment. Perhaps maybe one of the issues that the system needs to look at is the extent to which ministers have no legal obligations to consider recommendations 
made by the board on nomination. I'm not sure if you have picked up one of the issues that is emerging between Mpomakwana in his capacity as a chairperson as well as uh, Pravin Godan, the minister, is that there was only one candidate that was deemed appointable. And clearly that seems to be a big of a, an issue. If board members are ultimately accountable, surely the system needs to allow them an opportunity to provide the diligence oversight. And if they're not performing, then the, the shareholder in the form of a minister needs to take actions. But we don't seem to have that kind of environment. These three executives, Pomopano was the hardly 18 months as a chairperson. Caesar, within three years, all these guys have left. How on earth, again, I would, I would say, how on earth are you driving stability or growth or turnaround when there's these kinds of issues? Clearly, the ongoing tribulations in most of these institutions strengthen the conversation about a need to build a very strong professional cohort of directors, which has become imperative for this country. So anyway, that's my two cents worth on a very complex issues. Uh, I suppose listeners have their own views as to what accounts for this kind of exodus. Uh, bottom line is this is completely unacceptable for it, it It really amounts to fruitless and wasteful expenditure for the captains to jump ship when the ship has just literally left the shore. That's my two cents worth on this very complex issue. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to engage um, these CEOs at some point to get the nitty-gritties of the kind of environment they find themselves in. We don't have to pay our bills. Let's come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Chambela. Let me take this opportunity to welcome my guest, Dr. Sefi Sofalala, who's not a, who's not foreign to this show. Uh, he's a CEO of Plus94, as well as Mr. Johan Costa, who's also the CEO at the Marketing Research Foundation. Gentlemen, thank you very much for gracing Beyond Governance and welcome. Thank you, Dr. Chambela. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Johan, personally, we'll start with you. We have had a very much anticipated report under Marketing All Product Survey. Could you just take, on, uh, t- take us through the thinking behind the genesis of MAPS for benefit of the listeners who may not be in the know? Yes, certainly. Thank you, Dr. Mbele. The Marketing All Products Survey is a consumer research survey, and that is the um, commissioned by the Marketing Research Foundation. And the Marketing Research Foundation is a non-profit industry body that represents marketers and the advertising agencies. So basically the marketing and advertising industry as such is represented through the MRF. And the purpose of the research is to provide independent, reliable consumer research. As a non-profit, we're not driven by commercial imperatives. We're not affiliated with any particular product or media type or brand as such. So it's really our, our mission is really to provide world-class consumer research. And the vision with all of this is to help 
businesses make better decisions. So it's all about informing data-driven decision-making, especially in the marketing and advertising fraternities. Thank you very much for that heads up. Um, I'm inclined to ask Dr. Fanala here from a research point of view. Typically, every time when there is a research product that is being presented, there are always queries around validity and integrity. Take us through your thinking in a way of breaching those popular gaps. Firstly, perhaps maybe take a step back and say, has there been any queries or issues around the validity and integrity of the data from the competitors and how those kinds of issues have been addressed from where you're sitting? No, thank you, Dr. Mbele. The queries, we tend to ask the questions before we undertake the survey. We anticipate what uh, questions might arise. As you can imagine, MAPS, AMS has been around for many, many years. In fact, the previous provider was Nielsen, was the provider for AMS for a period that I believe was in excess of 40 years. So over that time period, we have had a catalog of the different areas that concern consumers from a data point of view. And um, we have taken on board the equity of the knowledge that has been gathered around the sample size, the sample size distribution, things like proportional sampling versus disproportional sampling. For instance, the inclusion of uh, rural areas and the the extent to which they're included and the representation of minority groups as well as the representation of um, gated communities which are difficult to access. So we've tended to anticipate a lot of these questions and overall because of the standing of the brand maps has tended to have quite a strong following and a lot of support that does not mean that we do not have a department that deals specifically with user queries and we tend to have more queries in areas where we are drilling down to a very very small sample um, say, for instance, you're looking at uh, users of a specific uh, brand. We do cover in excess of 3,000 brands, for example, and in excess of 700 questions. So there might be a question relating to, for example, a particular brand's use in a particular province, maybe even in a particular municipal area. Then the information by virtue of the demand on sample size might then be found to be wanting in that case and, and relatively unstable. So we have risen to the challenge and um, some of our competitors have been very supportive and our subscribers to MAPS as well as marketers and advertisers. Thank you very much for that. I suppose um, the biggest value for the kind of work that you do is that you are providing the advert, um, advertisement company and agencies an opportunity for them to better inform their marketing strategies on specific uh, brands, I would imagine. Johan? That's exactly the, the idea, Dr. Bella. So the MAPS is um, designed to be a product that allows marketers and, and their agencies to get a good understanding of the consumer in general but also specifics around the consumer in terms of, their, in terms of drivers of their decision-making, their particular behavior, and that helps them shape the channels they use in terms of how they communicate with the consumer. So, you know, whether they would use television, radio, social media, or what, whatever other platform they would like to use, and then also how to shape their messaging so that it actually attracts the attention of the particular segment that they, they're interested in. So all of this is designed to inform this kind of decision-making and make sure that consumers get the right messaging at the right time and relevant to them. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Perhaps maybe the question would be, obviously, communicating with the consumer. We've got multiple platforms that have been used, as you've currently put out, either newspapers, radio. What has been, based on your findings, where is the trend moving towards in terms of the agency communicating with ordinary consumers? So I think the, the biggest, I want to call it the elephant in the room, really, is, is online activity and social media in particular. We've seen vast increases in the usage of, of the Internet and then in, in terms of social media as well. So there's, for obvious reasons, quite a lot of interest for marketers and, and agencies to use these platforms to communicate with, with their consumers. The nice thing about social media and online activities is it's interactive. So there's a two-way, there's a two-way communication street and they're able to build affinity and, and, and build relationships with their consumers if they do it right. So there's quite a lot of focus on, on social media, but there are the traditional, more traditional platforms that are still serving a very important that uh, purpose, you know, if you think about radio as the, comp- the companion medium, it's a mass market medium. Television, very similarly, is a um, is a good visual mass market medium. Print still has its place. So the world has become more pla- complex for marketers and advertisers. And um, there's been more fragmentation. Consumers are now, they need to be reached across more platforms, across more channels. And it becomes very complex in terms of, of finding your target market and being able to go to connect with them using the right, the right medium as such. That's quite uh, true. Here's the biggest issue. I mean, as you've correctly put out, that we've got social media and traditional media. The context is important. I want to bring Dr. Falalke based on uh, his engagement with the report. As then, unemployment is obviously the biggest issue in the country. And the extent to which marketing agencies communicate with ordinary consumers has to be at the back of issues of around affordability. For you could have all this you know, interesting products and services of which there's very few people to buy. Perhaps maybe the question is, how is this research taking into account the demographics in terms of, well, we're sitting at about 40 or so unemployment rate, and, and it is obviously disproportionately uh, presented. Take us through that, Dr. Falan, in terms of the extent to which the MAPS overview really consider those kinds of issues. Thank you very much. And, and that really is uh, one of the aims of uh, the MRF in terms of uh, its mandate uh, for MAPS is that it should project an accurate representation of the current demographic situation in South Africa as it relates to the economic dispensation as well as uh, behavior. We have in excess of 110 questions just specifically on behavior, and that would include behavior by all types of consumers. And uh, we also have average incomes, for instance, which at personal level is just under 5,000 rand, and at the household level is just over 11,000 rand. And, and the importance of a study such as MAPS is that it creates on a large scale, on a large sample, um, access to detailed information that goes beyond what we saw, for instance, yesterday with the release of the census where it is estimated that there are 62 million of us now. We then get into the specific household detail, into the specific personal detail. So what we are seeing, which is very, very interesting, is in spite of these numbers, the proliferation of Internet technology is affecting consumers in a very dramatic way. And hence, uh, we believe it's very, very important to have such a, a baseline 
hub survey that allows all businesses to plug into what is happening in South Africa. We trained the survey on a monthly basis and we roll up the results uh, quarterly. So that means that issues such as unemployment, which we have shown also in the in our report, the official uh, statistics are slightly different, but very close to our 28%, uh, higher, as you mentioned, amongst the, the youth. And issues such as the number of people per household, the number of households, all these are critical issues that your program is, is called Beyond Governance. And I suppose in terms of business decision-making, the judiciousness of the types of decisions that um, depends on having access to information such as this. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for that insight. We're going to have to pay our bills. Let's come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Chambela. You have just joined us. Uh, you haven't really missed quite a bit. I'm having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Sifiso Falala in his capacity as the CEO at uh, Plus94 Research, as well as Johan Costa, who is an executive at Marketing and Research Foundation. Our conversation in a nutshell centers around marketing or product survey maps, and they've given us a very good insight in terms of uh, what are the kind of issues with the research unpacks. Dr. Falal, if we took that break, you, you give us a very interesting uh, insights about the context in which research has to be located. Um, you have said, you know, there's about 110 questions that you have put forward, and you also look at income uh, trends based on different households. And obviously, this creates a very important platform for the agencies to get a grasp or grasp of the kind of patterns, if you like, of consumer behavior. I think because we, we've been through the last two years kind of a, a change over from uh, the removal of the restrictions, the lockdown restrictions, MAPS was actually in-field uh, uh, as soon as it was possible to communicate, and we've got data that covers that period. And fascinatingly, we are able to see through that the impact of the loss of income, such as, for instance, the drop in spending on household goods, groceries, this on clothing, um, and uh, the cutting back on luxuries, luxury goods with specific amounts that are are now being spent. So it is a, a critical barometer of the state of the consumer, which in a way is an expression of what we, we are seeing in terms of verbalization of frustrations uh, on things such as social media. No, thank you very much for that uh, uh, insight. Perhaps maybe let me just bring in your hand here. In terms of the economic landscape, I mean, I've gone through the report itself and, and it does project a very unpleasant picture, if you like, in terms of uh, investments. Investments have somehow, when you look at in 2021, quarter one, we were sitting about 13.13 million rent, and the pattern has been on a downward spiral, which which is indicative of where we are at a, a country. 
Take us through that kind of assessment and to what extent the end users or perhaps the end users of this data, I'm talking about the banks, I'm talking about financial institutions, how they tend to navigate or perhaps employ strategies which recognizes this downward spiral of investments, if you like. Thank you, Dr. Mbele. So as Dr. Falala has indicated, we commenced fieldwork with MAPS in July 2020. So just as the heavy lockdown restrictions eased, we were able to get into field. And we've been in field continuously since then. This MAPS product is, is quite extensive. We we never stop doing fieldwork. We do about 20,000 interviews in every 12-month cycle. So what that does is it gives us a, the ability to track how consumers' behavior changed over time given certain external factors. So coming out of the COVID restrictions, you know, people, most people were homeward bound. There was not a lot of freedom of movement, and we could clearly see that in the data. So home activities were quite inflated. There was a lot of time spent on social media, watching television, things like um, DIY projects, home improvement, things like that um, received quite a lot of attention and there was quite quite nice investment in that. There was also then at that point in time state assistance for struggling families and individuals. So there was quite a lot of cash around actually. And because people were not traveling, they had all the spare cash as well that they would have normally spent on transport and traveling. And I think the economy was came out of COVID looking pretty good and the consumers were faring fairly well. Um, of course, inflation was way down, fuel costs were way down. But then everything changed with the uh, conflict in, in the Ukraine and suddenly energy prices went through the roof, fuel costs, inflation, food inflation, interest rates started ra- rising. All of those things then, you know, it's almost the perfect storm. Consumers suddenly found themselves in this pressure cooker. And what we are seeing now is the ability to track through maps this change in behavior as the environment became more and more uh, difficult to, to navigate. And as you've pointed out, investments are or so the ability to save has decreased dramatically. The disposable income of individuals and households has dramatically decreased over, I would say, at least the 2022 period, especially the last two to three quarters of 2022. We saw dramatic decreases in that, and that has continued into quarter one of 2023. So a lot less people now have the ability to save. They don't have that disposable income. They're having to tighten the belt. And we see them doing it very specific ways. The, for instance, when, when we look at their spend on groceries, they're not really spending less on groceries. Uh, the average basket size or the basket cost has remained constant. So people are still spending the same amount per month groceries. But of course, groceries prices have increased, which means the number of items in, the, in those baskets are now decreasing and they're sticking to basics. So some of the nice to haves and the, you know, some of the sweets and the treats and the luxuries are no longer finding their way into the basket. We're seeing people driving less, for instance, spending less on fuel. And using that money, shifting that money to, to, to cover the basics and the, you know, the daily needs. Less spend on clothing, for instance. And I think from a marketer's point of view or from a business point of view, some of these tra- trends started manifesting themselves quite early on in 2022. And the ability to see that downward trend early on gives you, you as a business, the opportunity to, to identify that there's a, you know, a challenge or a risk coming and to adjust your business accordingly and hopefully as part of that strategy, you would then also look at your pricing of your products, your messaging, your advertising, all of that then needs to adapt to the changes you're seeing in consumer behavior. 
Thank you very much for that insight, which I think it makes a lot of sense because there's obviously, you know, Congress then to what to see what the market looks like and the extent to which how the depressing market affects individuals. I mean, you've made a number of points which I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's quite interesting when you look at um items such as brand loyalty, because I suppose when people are depressed, there's natural inclination to personally be explore the market by looking at other brands of similar standing so that um, one is not seen as dropping the standard, so to speak. The reason I'm asking this question, uh, Dr. Falana, and your observation, because there are people who are very strong who are very loyal to specific brands. Let's look at cars as an example. Merck, BMW, that type of stuff. But we've seen a lot of Asian products coming through the market and they're offering value for money. And most people are starting to waking up say, look, I mean, if I can have this type of car that has all the rings and bells at the fraction of the price, surely it's, it's worth my while to venture into those kind of uh, um, environment, even if I've been a loyal person for this particular brand. Is this reflected in the kinds of uh, findings that you have discovered? I agree with you 100%, and we see it in the data. There are some questions we ask around brand loyalty. And in this environment where, you know, which is very challenging for consumers at the moment, economically, one of the questions we ask is, you know, do you always buy the same brand? Um, and there's actually been an increase in the number of people who say they, they prefer to always buy the same brand. And the thinking behind that is that when times are tough and you have to, you know, think about how you spend. You want to spend your money with a brand you trust, um, and that gives you good value for money. So people would then tend to stick to those brands as long as they can. But similarly, we also ask the question, would you choose another brand if the brand you always buy becomes too expensive or if the other brand is cheaper? And that number has also increased. So there are more people now inclined to move. So, you know, under these, under these stresses, consumers try and find the best value with brands they trust. But if they aren't, if they are unable to afford them any longer, that decision is taken to then move, to then move to a new brand, which is exactly, you know, to your example for vehicle purchasing with what we are seeing now. People, I suppose, would like to stick to the brands they know and that have been around, but they seem to have become quite expensive and they're now cheaper alternatives on the market. So instead of spending that one million rand on the luxury vehicle you prefer, you know, you can't afford it. Interest rates are high. You kind of try out the new brand, which is maybe at half the price, and you save a lot of money in the process. The reason I ask this issue because I'm not I'm not into luxury brands in particular when it comes to certain uh to uh vehicles, but most of my friends who are uh, loyal brands of uh, popular cars manufacturer, they've sort of switched off and because, you know, they would be having a very, very interesting conversation and companion business case as to why they've decided no longer to invest in those kinds of luxury uh, uh, vehicles because they they simply don't have the enough money. You've correctly pointed out interest rates are very, are very high and the employment status of a lot of people is quite fickle uh, and it's very difficult for people to invest in big ticket items such as without really stability because anything can happen at any time. Uh, we'll come back to Tofalala. The, the issue that I've raised with, with Johan here was the kind of uh, patterns that we are seeing in terms of luxury as well as big brands. The data that I've seen from your end is that there is obviously a decline in people who are spending 
uh, on the brands that they would have that had been spending over a period of time. Your take on that as we proceed. When we look at maps and we look at the investment portion of the data, part of what we also ask is people's ability to invest and share schemes um, in the stock exchange um, and the like. And these products are generally more accessible by the top end of the market, you know, your high-income individuals. And we're seeing a lot more stability at the top end. So although they are affected, you know, the high 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 revenue um, households um, are definitely affected. We are seeing some declines on their side, but they're not as much affected as I would say the middle and, and lower class. So because they have diversified portfolios and different um, sources of revenue, they have, you know, mitigating measures in place and they're able to deal with these risks a little bit better. So there are some declines there. They have not been as pronounced as we would, as we would, uh, as we have seen with the average South African who's really been taking a lot of strain. On that note, let's have a quick break. We'll come back just in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrat Tumele. I am joined by Dr. Sifisa Falala from Plus94 Research, as well as Johan Costa, who is an executive at Marketing and Research Foundation. We are the, the central point of our conversation is the overview of MAPS. This is Marketing or Product Saving, which has been undertaken. Here's the thing um, around the environment affecting media because media plays such an important role in forming consumers. And this is one area that you've also picked up in assessing the extent to which low shedding has affected the, the patterns of procurement period of time. And you've said here, obviously, when you look at 20, December 22, which was exceptionally high month in terms of low shedding, to what extent low shedding has been reflected in the depression of economic uh, consideration and the extent to which these had a negative impact in how the agents put their products. Did you see a, did you see a decline in, in certain products and services due to poor output as a result of load shedding and so forth? The impact of load shedding is extensive, especially on media consumption. If, as you can imagine, you know, when the electricity goes down, um, and the household doesn't have electricity, the TV doesn't work, many radios don't work, sometimes the cell phone cell phone tower then also goes down and you don't have internet, uh, you know, if they don't have their batteries and backups in place. So there's all kinds of disruptions to a household in terms of their media consumption that happens. And this this shows in, in the research that we've done. We've seen a downward trend in, in, in the penetration of, of television, a lot less viewership of, of television, a slight declines in radio, not not as pronounced. Interestingly, things like internet activity and social media has, despite all of these disruptions, managed to maintain um, an upward trend. So they continue to increase. And really, I think, you know, the from an economic perspective, the amount of revenue lost from advertisers and marketers in terms of being able to buy reliable inventory from media um, 
it's been immense. You buy a spot on, on TV, but you don't know if that's going to be broadcast at all because, you know, half your audience might be load shed at that point in time. So the uncertainty that that brings has made it difficult for advertisers and their agencies to make a decision in terms of where to put their money when it comes to invest in advertising spend. And so that's brought very much complexities to the environment. And then, of course, the businesses themselves, the ones who put out products and brands, you've seen supply chain disruptions. You've seen all kind of disruptions in, in the retail environment with the retailers having to, to put in place backup systems, battery systems to, to help their shops, uh, keep the shops running. Um, the overall cost to the economy has been been immense. Dr. Falana, while we're still on the media penetrating shit, your perspective, because I mean, Johan has given us a very good insight on the, what, what seems to be an upward or stable trajectory of online activities and take us through your sense based on the results on traditional media, because traditional media also seems to fluctuate it, uh, in the, during the period, uh, under review. The shift towards streaming is very, very highly significant. Um, away from linear television, for example. In fact, even radio listenership to a small extent uh, is now on devices other than the, the radio itself in a traditional uh, sense. What we are seeing is the, the greater need to continue tracking behavior because as it evolves, there is an acceleration in um, the amount of time that is spent on the Internet. And uh, South Africans, we generally tend to spend more time online than the average uh, world. Um, number of hours, uh, for example. So we do quite a lot of things there. And with the advent of things like virtual reality and augmented reality, we are seeing that um, our young population is quite ensconced into what is happening uh, online. The, the online experiences are becoming ever more important. And, and with that, a bigger challenge in terms of the platforms that uh, the brands should be engaging with and how they should be engaging with those brands. And certainly the expectations that are created um, in the minds of the consumers in terms of what constitutes excellent content, what constitute, uh, constitutes uh, excellent experiences and uh, dump dramatization, for instance, by visual graphics. Uh, so the landscape is changing dramatically, and uh, you would be aware of the rise of uh, things like TikTok. For instance, if you go back a few years, there was probably very little mention or notice um around such um, platforms as Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime and such streaming services. But nowadays, they are almost par for the course. Um, almost all consumers uh, are demos. Most of the consumers that can afford that have smartphone devices uh, are able to, to connect. So we are seeing a huge uh, shift, which is a challenge for us, uh, you know, undertaking maps in terms of just trying to keep up with the, the changes that are happening amongst the, particularly the youth and all the consumers that are partly mobile and uh, tend to be connected to the internet. Thank you very much for that insight, which is quite uh, very useful. I mean, one would imagine um, gathering data of this magnitude, it's not a, a cheap exercise, uh, given obviously the kinds of uh, inputs consideration that, 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 that you need to recognize. And I'm sure you have a strategic way of navigating this very complex uh, environment, as, as it were, Dr. Falala. Uh, greatest news, I think, coming out of the uh, MAPS project and MRAF 
is that the industry is working together again. MAPS has always relied on a collaborative industry effort. In other words, there is a model that is currently being used. Uh, there was a MIT levy that uh, was previously uh, in place, but now we've got a different subscriber model that is being used. So there is an agreement uh, amongst the different businesses um, in South Africa that there's a need to work together because the elephant is too big for one company to tackle on, on their own. So for that reason, uh, there are economies of scale, and I'm sure Johan can speak a lot more about how they go about ensuring that all subscriber expectations are met. Because we find that subscribers spend inordinately large sums of money on data, some of which might actually find a solution in their home um, in maps, if that is, is possible. You actually preempted my, my thought, Dr. Falala, because the subscriber model, obviously, there are ins and outs. Um, look, personally, before uh, I, I have my view on this, Johan, obviously, subscriber model, it's a very nuanced way of keeping, you know, or obviously keeping your clients happy. Take us through that kind of model and the extent to which it does addresses the expectations of your clients, as it were. Yeah, it is certainly very nuanced, um, and, and I think in the current, um, environment, it's also quite challenging. I think, you know, businesses, businesses have their own challenges and budgets are under pressure. So subscribing to, subscribing to a data set such as maps, um, comes with its own peculiarities. Um, as a subscriber of maps, you know, the advantages to a subscriber is that really they become part of the process. It's not an, an instance where we sell them a product and then we walk away. They they truly become part of our governance structures. They become part of the family, so to speak. So they form part of our quality control processes. They're able to to participate in, in the way with, that we shape and form the questionnaire, that we adapt to changes in consumer behavior. They really help drive our policy and our operational approach to this project. And that, I think, gives them the comfort that they have the kind of oversight and transparency um, that they need and they're able to give input along the way and, and help shape help shape the future of, of MAPS and its uh, continuous evolving product. So I think we take great care, quite apt considering the title of your of your program in, in make, ensuring that there's good proper um, governance in place and that the subscribers have a mechanism and channels of participating in this project. I couldn't agree with you more, particularly, you know, when you hear um, stories about anti-competitive behaviors that from time to time big industries are accused of. It is quite important that you your structures and systems are above board, particularly to try and, and, and obviously posture the organization in, in a positive light. A step back in terms of marketing, because under, you know, depressed environment, typically every agency's or every most company, they tend to the the very first victim on their budget line item is cutting the marketing cost or marketing budget. The most, I suppose, the word I'm looking for, smartest entities, they instead of cutting down on budget cost, they increase the budget cost because they they understand the value of being top of mind from a product point of view. What has been the observation, Dr. Falala, on this particular issue? Do you see less and less? budget cuts on the marketing side of things or do you, it, it, are we plateauing or are we declining? What, what has been observation uh, from this particular point? Because it does affect, in my mind at least, the subscriber model that Johan spoke about. Now we've created, uh, uh, I think, uh, through MRF an, an opportunity for marketers and, and advertisers to communicate 
their intentions. Um, and um, uh, certainly the product is uh, well-timed, uh, especially as we face uh, economic uh, difficulties, because it does, uh, on a large sample, have the capacity with our over 700 uh, questions, over 400 on, on brands. It does have the capacity to breach, um, to breach costs. And um, the companies that we deal with do not operate in isolation. A lot of the decision-making is layered. So a lot of the decision is influenced partly by their agencies and partly by their marketing departments and partly by generally trends um, in the news and in media uh, uh, as far as what is happening um, around around the world. So they try and stay up to date, so to speak. And one of the things that we would ho- hope for uh, is to have greater engagement within the marketing companies themselves. Because when we deal, uh, for example, been had a lot of success dealing with their agencies, uh, but agencies also deal with multiple clients and multiple accounts. So they've got their hats in, in, in many different uh, pies. Uh, so what we are trying to do as well is to increase the visibility of uh, the MRF and the MAPS products, product towards the, the main beneficiaries, in this case, the marketing uh, companies. On that note, let's have a quick break as we gravitate towards the end of this fascinating conversation. We'll be back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Thank you for tuning in and welcome back. My name is Nimrod Timbele. I am having a very interesting conversation with Dr. Falala, who is the CEO at Plasmid for Research, as well as Johan, who is responsible for Marketing and, and Research Foundation. Um, and we're talking, we're talking marketing and all product survey maps in, in, in brief. Before we enter the break, what I've picked up from Dr. Falala as well as Johan, is collaboration um, which is emerging as the currency which the actor groups within marketing and agency environment are beginning to meet each other halfway to share information. And this portal, if you like, or this product is a very useful instrument which informs uh, all the agencies and marketers on the extent to which how they, they refine and modify their own strategy so that they're able to influence the consumers around their product and services. Perhaps maybe as those, can I get uh, highlights, maps from um, Johan point of view? What has been your highlights based on the kind of overview that has been presented? And given the fact that, you know, you're constantly on the road uh, collecting data to refocus the kind of reporting that uh, your client requires from time to time. The biggest highlight and I think the biggest feature of MAPS from an outcome point of view really for me is the fact that MAPS allows you to do quarterly tracking. So you're literally able to look at the data from a quarter-on-quarter basis. And you're really able to slice and dice this data into a way that 
would fit your needs as a marketer and an agency to try and understand behavior and the drivers of behavior and how consumers are changing and adapting to their environment. I think previous products and, and other products out there in the market don't allow you this, I think, very granular look at the consumer from a quarterly um, perspective. You know, most allow a year-on-year look. This this is really very significant change, and you're able to react much quicker as a business when you start seeing um, trends and, and changes emerging. That's from a product perspective. I think a highlight for me from from just delivering the product, you know, I think the the, the relationship that we've been able to build with, with Plus94 Research as a, as a South African homegrown country, um, company that really understands market research, that really understands the South African consumer, to be able to build this kind of world-class expertise and knowledge within South Africa and then collaborate as an industry around this product to deliver the best possible consumer research that we can. That, for me, is really a standout highlight of what MAPS represents. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, uh, Dr. Falala. Your your highlights for, I mean, uh, based on what you have said, you know, been able to track on a quarterly basis the the understanding of consumer behavior and being able to respond adequately to those needs. Your highlight as well? No, I think it's just the scalability of of Maps. Maps is it is a project that is at scale, but it also allows the customers or subscribers to have a market uh, advantage. And and because we've been doing it now for a few years, you can actually see where we track market shares. Um, Those companies that are subscribing starting to to inch upwards because of the information that they have at hand that they otherwise wouldn't uh, have. And uh, for me, the advantage is because the Marketing Research Foundation is an NPO, which is an organization that is not for profit. The objectivity that they have in terms of getting an information tapestry that is representative of what is happening in South Africa without having a vested commercial interest is very, very important. Thank you very much, Dr. Falala, for that input. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it here. We have run out of time. Nonetheless, thank you very much for your contribution. I certainly hope the listener have a very good understanding of what MAPS is all about and the extent to which it is to their benefit uh, uh, for them to be more agile in responding to the behavioral patterns of the consumers. Thank you, Dr. Dennis. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. There you are. That was uh, Johan um, uh, Krosta as well as Dr. Sifiso Falala from Plus94 Research giving us a very granular detail of the marketing of product survey maps in terms of how it has been used uh, as a tracking device, if you like, tracking device on a quarterly basis, which informs the agencies and marketers on how how to penetrate the or shape the thinking of their consumers and the beauty about it, uh, based on the kind of conversation I've picked up. One is that it, it it's, it's quite scalable in in many ways, and the subscription model uh, is is able to provide the end users with the high level. Uh, and sophisticated uh, intelligence, if you like, that enables them to to better penetrate the market. And the last point that I found quite intriguing was made by Dr. Falala and, of course, uh, Johan, that the, the fact that it's, uh, you know, uh, MRF, it's an NPO, um, the, 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 the objectivity side of things is quite high in that there isn't an interest in, in, in influencing a particular decision, if you like. And we're going to have to leave it here until we do it again. Have yourself a beautiful day ahead. Shalom.